Blog Talk Radio. What's up, you guys? Happy St. Pat's Day. We'll let it play in a minute. And then this 
fucking ship continues to roll out and it continues to just get bad press. They got this ship from Carnival now called the Legend, and it's an it was another disaster with people stranded. And this is uh, I'm looking at it. Uh, you know, we're going to go all the way up. You know, to the Supreme fucking Court if we have to on this one because it's clear violation of my trademark. Um, and they've had this ship since then. So this is going to be something I'm going to let the lawyers handle and stuff. But uh, it's like they just shove a, a knitting needle right in my eyeball every time they go out there. And then, you know, they're using, again, my common law trademark. So, again, it's something we'll let the lawyers handle. Um, this guy is really a cool dude. And um, I had met him over on the Warrior Forum. Then I met, met him uh, when he was running his show over on Mark, talk marketing now. I got. I got to remember the name of that. I'll bring him on and we'll talk about that. Real interesting story. I, you know, you gotta. Uh, I'm hoping everybody finds a lesson here because uh, we've all been here and kind of. This is. You know, we always talk about the rags to riches and stuff. I always like to keep it real and and people that do and uh, dark is real honest about everything. So this we're just gonna roll with this show and uh, dark. Can you? I'm hoping your mic is working and everybody can hear you all right. Pleasure to have you. I hope not too. What's happening? Uh, everything's going cool over here. I, I have to say, I haven't had a good mic job in a long time. <laughs> you know, I'm offended that Sean Anderson, if he's out there listening, I asked him to do this show a long time ago. And because yep. when I was sick and I was going through my treatment and stuff, I, you know, he taught me one of his products. Actually, taught me WordPress, and I'm thinking. I find out later when he's doing his little thank you list that he actually did an interview with you. Now, I'm fucking pissed because nobody turns me down. No one turns this show down. They just don't. Hey, I, I'll, I'll go yell at him, okay? Yeah, and, yeah. I, 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 I'm really actually offended. I'm, I'm, I mean, I've had every name. I mean, you don't turn the vague. You just, you, you just don't do it. You just do not do it. So. I've and and, and I've got the goods on him. I've got the goods on Anderson. Anyway, what's going on, man? You're um, let's. Why don't you run us through just your background and stuff? Because it's a cool story. Um, you started out at Microsoft. Well, I shouldn't say started out, but let's start around the Microsoft time. What tell us what you were doing down there? Okay. Well, uh, well, actually, immediately before I went to Microsoft, there was one of my own independent software company. Okay. And we had, uh, we had gotten to the point where we were doing about $1.7 million a year, and I shit the business. I, mean, I, think, uh, I think all of us have kind of done that now and then when you're building your own business. You get to a point where you get kind of full of yourself, and you yep. go, well, I'm going to make this business into this thing that I want it to be. And you do dumb shit, and you make bad decisions, and you, you just destroy everything. <laughs> I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. So now, what what time period are we talking about? In are we talking about late nineties, early? Give me a time frame. This would have been right around. I think it was two thousand and four. Okay, early two thousand. Uh, All right. Around, yeah, it was about a, about June or July of two thousand and four that uh, my business really started to fall apart. Okay. And once that kind of got to a point where I had to come up with something to do, I mean, we had we had a new baby. You know, so um, what kind of software the, were you pushing out at the time? Uh, well, a lot of people are going to be mad at me for this, but uh, <laughs> go ahead. We uh, we did a lot of work for Russian quote unquote businessmen. Oh, really? All right. So you were working with the Russian mob, basically. 
the uh, the purpose of our software was to discreetly and quietly send email in a distributed fashion without overly bothering the user of the computer. <laughs> Uh, I'll have one when when home security comes a rap tap tapping on my door tonight. I'm going to know why. Okay. And, is, and uh, you know that's the uh, that's the kind of stuff that we were building, and there was always there was always this kind of nod nod wink wink around it. Yeah. Where you know we knew what we were doing, we knew what this stuff was being used for. Right. But we just kind of the whole thing was to build a bullshit story around it. And pretend it was something legitimate, something that uh, that you can be proud of building, something that you can be proud of working on. Well, absolutely. And, and one day I was watching TV, and the uh, the career builder commercial came on, and it was one of the guys in the office with a monkey. <laughs> yeah. And, and I was watching that commercial, and I went, "That's my fucking company." <laughs> that's the company that I built. I built a company full of monkeys. Yeah. And it's one we're working at the company and everybody's monkeys. When you own the company and it's full of monkeys, and that's kind of when I just went, yeah, I'm not fucking doing this anymore. And I started canceling right. projects and firing clients and getting rid of contractors. And I just basically tore the whole business down because I said, I'm sick of this crap. I want to do something ethical and principled and something that makes a difference and not just whatever will bring in the money. Right, right. Right, which is which is which is interesting because some people just continue on the same way. So you had like the little epiphany moment and stuff. Where did uh, where did Microsoft fit in after that? Well, uh, you stripped this company down. Did you keep any money? Did you piss all the money off? I mean, did you hold on to any cash or? I uh, I had to actually go eighty thousand dollars into personal debt right. because um, so there... I had people that needed to be paid. All right. the money that. All the money that we had left out of the business, I had contractors who needed to be paid. I had contracts that needed to be fulfilled. I had penalties to pay and leases to negotiate and all kinds of stuff like that. And I was stuck with the question of the easy answer would have been for like $2,000, we could have declared bankruptcy and thrown the business down the toilet and just told everybody that we owed money to piss off. Right. But... You know, you don't do that. I mean, you're, you're talking about all of the people that I was working with. I wasn't working with uh, with huge companies that you can just go, oh, fuck it, they'll write it off on their taxes. Right. I'm dealing with real people and real, like, real estate investors where if you back out of a lease, now they can't make their mortgage until they lease to a new tenant. Right, yeah. And yeah. I've got contractors that, you know, if I tell them, we've got no money, go pound sand. Well, now they can't make their mortgage and they can't feed their kids. Right. And I couldn't do that to those people. So I had to go into debt making sure that those people got paid. Right. And that was was basically nothing. So what I did was I said, well, the easiest thing to do is to just go and get a job. And Microsoft has been pounding on my door for years going, why don't you come work over here for a while? So I went and I got a job at Microsoft, and the funny thing was, in I think it took about two years before I was making more money working for Microsoft than I was able to keep running <laughs> a million-dollar company. Yeah. Now, did you see any unusual activity at Microsoft, like uh, uh, shape-shifting or uh, drinking of uh, out of goblets or anything like that? Because that's a very no. reptilian Illuminati company, I'm told. So I'm just I, w- wondering if you personally witnessed any 
thing that would be considered Illuminati type activity. You know, really the thing that I found was working at Microsoft, I got to work with people that literally did not give a shit about anything except doing the best job that they could. Right, and, and that's what. Yeah, that's. I've heard that. I've heard that about Microsoft. And I'm wondering, do you think that's? Is it possible there's microchipping or anything involved in that? Very serious I question. I don't think so. I don't. I don't think I've got a microchip. I mean, okay. I. I used to literally hate Microsoft. I used to think they were like the devil. Okay. And it was gradually over time, I started to go. Microsoft as a company is changing because you got back in the early '90s. Right. You had the whole antitrust thing. Yeah. And everybody, you know, Microsoft has to change. We don't do business this way anymore. And I just began to very clearly see that the way Microsoft was reacting. I don't know if you've ever seen the uh, the movie Falling Down. Yeah. But uh, at the at the end of that movie, Michael Douglas is just kind of staring in the camera, holding the gun, and says, "I'm the bad guy." <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. Awesome. That's classic. Yeah. That's and that's funny. kind of the place I saw Microsoft in the early 90s where they were kind of looking around going, what? How, how did this happen? Man, it's, they would uh, be the best that they could and do the best that they could, and they went off down this shitty path. And then they went, wait a minute, how did we get here? Exactly. Yeah, I mean, it's like uh, that was always interesting on that antitrust suit because I don't know what your feelings were on it. I, it Personally, to me, it looked like a shakedown. I think I always, you know, I'm not a big Microsoft fan either, and uh, whoever put that Norton thing out, I mean, that Norton's like a virus, man. You can't get, I can't get Norton off my computer, what's the thought? But here nor there, I always thought that was kind of a, I don't know, that it just struck me as, you know, back when the, back when it, it struck me as kind of like a shakedown. Actually... He was almost, I don't know, I think, I think sometimes we punish success in this country, so... We do, but uh, Microsoft really was being shitty. They really were kind of abusing their power, using their position. And, so you think um, it was a monopoly type thing going on then? It, it, it was very much a monopoly because okay. that was the way it business back in the seventies. And they were just like, well, we're bigger now, but you know, we're uh, we're still doing business the same way that people do business. Interesting. Trying, they were trying to make themselves into what IBM was in the seventies, and they did. Right. The problem is that IBM in the 1970s doesn't fly in the 1990s. That's that's so they, that's interesting because you actually were there, so I was, I was just curious on that one. Um, how did you get into computers? Because obviously you you got the tech side down, which I don't. Um, how did you even get started in that? Because it's you know to be I mean to be working at a company like Microsoft, you've got to have a little inherent talent. And well, did you just start off on your own like a computer geek, or did you? I very much started. Were you a hacker or what? I mean, where did everybody's got a story of how they started? Most a lot of people are hackers. So, I very much was a hacker. I just was not a very good one. And it was one of those. (laughs) (laughs) As I got into my teens, I started to realize that I actually was not good at that. so I, I kind of walked away from that, but there was a there was a period of time I I got very into what's called the VX scene which is right. virus exchange. And what I was interested in was, you know, the, uh, the underpinnings of that, how viruses are constructed and how they work. And right. is a virus, in fact, alive? Is it intelligent? And I was interested in those kinds of questions. And I ran a bulletin board system, which is kind of the forerunner of the Internet. Wow. Where that... people kind of, they dialed in and they would upload and download various source code for viruses. And... <laughs> The, the fun part of this was that 
I got to see a lot of people doing a lot of really, really cool stuff. And this is right. really where I developed. I developed a real kind of understanding and kinship with young, smart people. Right. Because a lot of them out there, and nobody pays attention to them. Right. Yeah. They're awful. Yeah. You know, it's kind of interesting. I've seen the, some of the black hat sites, and it's like there's, you know, to, to some people it's just totally offensive, and to other people it's it's. Uh, I can see where there's a lot of uh, brains over there. I always just kind of step back and I didn't judge. I just kind of watch what was going on. I thought it was really interesting because there's definitely can't knock another man's hustle. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was really good, pretty fascinating uh, characters over there. For sure. Yeah, the thing that gets me about all of the black hat stuff is we get all these people going, how do we stop it? How do we stop it? How do we stop it? Yeah. And the problem is if you really pay attention to the culture, these people don't understand that they're doing anything wrong. Right. You can't stop it. They think that they're fighting this vast battle for freedom and they're on the winning side. Right. Right. One of those things that you're trying to do is you're going, well, how do we stop the the Rebellion against the Empire in Star Wars. Yeah, you don't. No, they fight forever. Yeah, I, I just I, I when I had my stuff out, I mean they grabbed some of it, but you know it's just, you got to chalk it up to the game. And uh, I wasn't. Some people just let it get to them to no, the point where they're spending more time I on the forums racing stuff. You know, I put out one of my products as a uh, as a short term free download for like an hour. Yeah. On Year's uh, Eve at Talk Marketing Now. Mm-hmm. And it was like 20 minutes before it showed up on one of the pirate torrent sites. <laughs> right. And he sent me a screenshot of the listing, and I turned around and emailed him back, and I said, "Yes, I've made it." <laughs> <laughs> I know. I felt kind of good. I felt kind of good when people were begging on the uh, pirate. I forget which one of Black Hat, one of the one of them. They were begging for my one of the one of my I don't know barter arbitrage one of them, and they were like, "Has anybody got this?" And the funny thing was, is I said, "Man." The guy who hacks this deserves it because there was 35 hours of audio on that product. <laughs> so I looked at it like this. Anybody that can break into this site and steal 35 hours of audio, upload it, and put it up there, yeah. they deserve this fucking product. <laughs> I'll give it to them. You know, I, mean, I really didn't care. And it was not an easy one just for the sheer volume of information. <laughs> So I mean that's the way I look at it. This stuff too. There's a uh, there's a program out there called SiteWave that yeah. literally goes through every publicly available file on a site and downloads it. Oh, interesting. And it's just one of those things where they don't even really have to do anything. They just have to buy your product, go to your site, download everything, then say this is a piece of shit, give me a refund. Right. And well, then the they turn hacker move. I know I, I actually had one of those. I, I think somebody came in there for the sole purpose of doing that. But like I said, it was uh, – I, I don't get too – it just doesn't – I mean, you know, people are going to do what they're going to do. And like I said, I, I there's some, I I know people that spend hours on emails, you know, saying take this yeah. down, take this down. And I'm just thinking, man, you know, you're, I, you're getting I, consumed I by it. Hours and that effort in customers that actually appreciate what I'm doing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, That's my point. I waste my time on people that are never going to like what I do and that ultimately are just going to hate me. Why would you work for that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like me, give me money. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, that's what I'm saying. I'm not going to waste my time just uh, on the, you know, you put the copyright claim in and you do all this stuff and, 
it's just all it does is draw more attention, and it I think it actually is counterproductive in that you just draw, the more you bitch about hey take my stuff well, down, not, the more they want to put your again. shit back up there. I just think sometimes it's best just to you know let just let it roll. I mean they're going to take it, they're going to take it. But anyway, that was kind of a right. sidetrack whole story. I was just kind of curious on that. What happened? What okay so you. What made you? What happened to Microsoft? Why did you leave that gig? I couldn't get what I wanted at Microsoft. Was really kind of the thing. I had right. a, uh, I had, I had a goal that what I wanted to do was I wanted to be in a position where I was making a quarter of a million dollars a year by 2010. Right. And in 2008, I realized that I was not going to be able to do that at Microsoft, and that I was going to have to run kind of a side project to try and build that. Right. And between 2008 and 2009, I realized that, um, yeah, I took like a year trying to build stuff on the side and still work at Microsoft. And I realized I, I can't work at Microsoft and build my legacy at the same time. I've right. got to make it either my career is at Microsoft and I'm going to stay there for the rest of my working life, or I'm going to go off and do my own thing. Right. And this is where and it gets kind of interesting because you chose to go and do your own thing. And this is the part where most people would have the real happy story where, you know, after trial and error, you left Microsoft and you lived in the tiny one-bedroom apartment and you made the million on Internet marketing. I mean, that's how we script and frame this. Hey, I got that. I mean, isn't every guru, every guru was born in a one-bedroom apartment. Don LaPree was the first. Then Tony Robbins. Don LaPree. He was like my first marketing mentor. <laughs> I shit you not. I made almost $50,000 with his product. I, and you know what? He has not aged. Again, another sign of reptilian. He has not aged. You look at Don LaPree today. That's because he's what? He's dead. Don LaPree killed himself in a prison cell a couple of years ago. Oh, I didn't know that. I thought he had the vitamin gate going. No, he had a he had a complete breakdown. He was he was at a gym stabbing himself in the balls. So oh, I, I, he ended up. I I didn't know he ended up in Club Fed. Did he? I knew that the, he had some uh, you know some federal heat on him for that vitamin thing. Well, they were getting on him about that vitamin thing, and he was beating himself up about it. This is the shitty thing. Don Lapree got into the vitamin thing, and he didn't understand that it's a different game once you start dealing with you know health stuff and the FDA. Yeah, yeah. So, and everything. When everything collapsed and he went bankrupt and he couldn't pay his people and he was walking around just basically just short of homeless, you know, he was he was so broken up about that and he was so depressed and suicidal that he went to the gym one day and he was just sitting in the locker room literally stabbing himself in the junk with a knife. Really? So then, I didn't know any Now, this just blows me away because I actually looked him up uh, about six or eight months ago and I didn't see anything about it. That is just totally... I mean, I that was a couple of years ago, too. I always wanted to work with him because he is just, he's an awesome guy, and he's got great stuff going on, but he, uh, he, takes, he takes very large risks. So he killed him. I'm just stunned by that. I mean, it, yeah. that totally, I mean, serious, straight up, that blows me. I did, had no idea. They didn't even get into arraignment. He, uh, he hung himself. Oh, man. Well, he wasn't gonna, yeah, he wasn't going to do too well in prison. I mean, I, he wasn't the pri- I mean, he didn't have a background that would lent itself to. I, I don't think he was going to go to prison. I think he was probably going to end up on house arrest or something like that. Yeah. Because when you came down to it, I mean, this guy, he wanted to do right by his customers, and he wanted to do right by his employees, and he just, you know, he pushed the bullshit a little bit too far. 
didn't quite understand that, you know, you start working on supplements and vitamins, it, it's a whole different game, you know. If you well, said yeah, this is a Perry Belcher, I mean, he found out about that. I mean, you know, and I like Perry. I mean, I really do. But, I mean, he found out about that. You get into... You get into that, uh, I think Glenn Turner, I was talking to Jim Straw before he died, that was one of the first big MLM giants, and he ended up, uh, it's just, uh, it's a real gray area to be involved in. I'm not interested in anything in a bottle, uh, just for that reason, but uh, tell us what, so that that just blow. I'm totally like stunned by the whole, because I was going to talk about the tiny one bedroom and the t- little classified ads, and that just blows me away. In fact, I think I was talking to Jason Moffat about that, because everybody, everybody I've talked, you know, spoken to remembers that infomercial. And yes. um, damn, man, that's really, that is actually depressing. I bought four copies of this tiny classified ads program. And you because made money? Was, no, what did you make? Which, what, you said you made 50 grand off something. What did you, uh, which program? Yeah, I uh, I bought his tiny classified ads program and I just I started running it, okay. Really? And, and I started. What I actually did was I wrote out a little report that was literally about you know how to uh, write reports. Right. So I wrote out a little twenty dollar report on that. And I put out a uh, I put out a classified ad and I started in the Baltimore Sun, and I started running the ad there. And I got orders, and I was just I was putting this stuff out on my dot matrix printer, and I was sending it out in the mail, and I had a nice little system where I'd get home at the uh, end of the day at work, and I would go to my mailbox, and I would get out the checks, and I would take each check, and I would um, paperclip it to an envelope. And then I would go through, and for each envelope, I would put the report in it, and I would put the address on it, and then I would go down to the bank, and I would deposit all of the checks, and then on my way out of the bank, I'd put all the envelopes in the mail with the person. So you actually got that. So that was kind of that. That that just one second here. I'm going to have Car Carly. Yeah, look up Don Lapree and make sure he's actually not with us anymore. Don Lapree, L A P R E. Yeah. Yes. Oh, okay. Um, I'm gonna. I'm, I got my people on this because if I find out he's alive and you're yanking my chain this whole time, I'm gonna be pissed. I, I'm not your chain, man. It's super broken me up. <laughs> But and you that, actually made money with the thing. Now, is, is, was that more viable then when we didn't have the, the you know, as, I mean, as many people on the net? I mean, you know, I, I'll tell you what it was. The, uh, the profit margin is really slim, and that's kind of the, uh, the problem with Don's system. You had to have yeah, a controlled ad, I assume, to make that thing roll out. I mean, I would, I would, I think the way he made money is once he had a controlled um, ad that he roll it, that was getting X amount of return in one paper, he'd roll it out to several hundred. Is that how he did it? I mean, I'm not, I don't recall. Exactly. That's what, that's what you do. You split yeah. this ad in, uh, in the same paper and you find out which one gets more responses. And then you split test ads in different markets and in different places. You figure out what gets the best responses in which markets. It was all laid out very, very well in the Tiny Classified Ads program, right. which uh, really when you come down to it, he boiled down the, uh, the classic scientific advertising, which is oh, all yeah. about like testing and all of that stuff. Yeah. He boiled all of that down into like five pages of stuff that was accessible. Yeah. I mean, Don, Don was brilliant, or at the very least his writer was brilliant. I yeah. don't know if he actually wrote the stuff himself. 
Well, I think he played that. The the characters always look really good on um, these infomercials, and you know, and he always would be like the quote unquote whiz kid. I guess they they there was somebody who did a thing on characters in internet marketing, and one they broke it down to five categories: the professor, I forget the all the, but he would probably yeah. be like the 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 you know the whiz kid because like I said, he didn't look like he was twenty one years old, and then the last time I saw him, I said up. Oh, Don must be reptilian because he hadn't aged. He must be 45 now, and the guy still looks 21. Let's, he's using the same picture or something. Um, that's really cool. That's that's you know that's totally. That, I, like I said, I got my people working. If you guys check and make sure that Don LaPree is actually, because I somehow I swear I saw Don LaPree making an appearance on Letterman or something on the top ten list or something. Um, we still talk about him, but um, he's uh, he's not with us. That's that's just that's wow. So when you let's talk about this million dollar <laughs> or not. Um, like I said, that's the way most of the marketers. Uh, that's how the story would end. But you, you left Microsoft. You started. You wanted to. You got into this thing called internet marketing, and you were pretty right. honest about it. At least in the little thing you sent me, that did not go well. So no, why don't you run us through that? Because I think this is something people can learn from. Because there's a lot, whole lot of people on this call that probably shouldn't be in internet marketing. Period. <laughs> and <laughs> and this might be a wake up call to you, or it might be something that drives you to keep well, on. I don't know. Go ahead and get Phyllis in here. One of the first things that happened was that um, I, I got evicted. And uh, it, it, there was, it, it's not so much that I screwed a lot of stuff up as that uh, my wife and I didn't agree on the whole uh, leaving Microsoft to do the Internet marketing thing. Okay. So kind of she was running the finances because I was like, look, I need to concentrate on this stuff. You need to take care of all the mundane crap like the bills while I'm working on this. Okay, hang on one second. You got to speak in that. The mic is starting to break up on me a little bit. Oh, sorry there. How's okay. that? That's a little better. Okay. Okay, but um, she started um, kind of trying to push back, and there was this whole passive aggressive thing going on, which I didn't understand at the time mm-hmm. because you know she would look me in the face and say, "I support you, and I believe in what you're doing." And then she would turn around and spend all of our money on bullshit and then come to me and say, we're out of money, you need to do something. <laughs> uh, I'm and, guessing this is the ex-wife now, right? Uh, well, she's not really the ex-wife. <laughs> she, 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 she might be kids. after this show. I don't know. <laughs> well, she left with the kids. We're not really together anymore, but mm-hmm. we, don't have, we don't have any plans to get divorced because right. it's convenient in a legal sense due to yes. the kids. Yeah, I understand that. Okay, so so you decided take it from there. I don't know. I'll let you just keep rolling with it. The uh, the direction things went at that point was things just kept going downhill and downhill and downhill. And I was trying to uh, I was working as a ghostwriter at the time for a lot of internet marketers. And you get a real good view of the different sides of the industry at that point because. You start working for people, and they go, okay, this is how I make my money on the Internet. And everybody needs writers. Everybody needs somebody to write their stuff. And you just you get to see how different people make their money, and you got the people that are just like, I need you to write this article, and I need you to use spin syntax so that I can send thousands of them to article directories. Right. 
And then as you up your prices, you start seeing where people drop out and go, yeah, I can't make that much money off of your article, so I'm going to go somewhere else. Right. And the only people, as my rates went up and went up and went up, and I got to the point where I was charging 10 cents a word, the only people that would still hire me at that point were uh, people that were making their own products. Right. That's and, a tough way to go, isn't it? I mean, God, I always... I, I always thought article marketing was a tough route. I just did. I mean, it just seemed to me like, my God, that's a lot of work. Uh, it was just seemed to me like a lot of trading dollars for time. It wasn't very leveraged, but yeah, it's, it's not very leveraged at all. Yeah, and that's kind. Of, that's kind of the issue around that. Yeah, and uh, the problem that you run into over and over again with this kind of article marketing and trying to run blogs and affiliate networks and that kind of thing, is that um, there's this immense input, and that's kind of that's the parallel with Donald Free's tiny classified ads thing, is you get these people that are burning a lot of time and a lot of effort. Yeah. And really the problem with Don's system was that initially when you started out, when it was just you doing the work, and you had more time than money to begin with, the profit wasn't bad. I mean, you were looking at it and you were going, hey, you know, my profit on this is, you know, I do the work and I make maybe $500 in a week. Right. And it's not bad, you know? But then you turn around and you start trying to turn that into a real business. You start trying to scale it to the thousands a day level. And as you're scaling it up, you need more people to do the work, and that eats into your profits. Right, right. And doing more work, you know, the cost of that work starts to add up, and the time costs are adding up, and you start needing more space, and you start needing insurance, and you start needing to give people benefits, and you start needing to do all of this additional stuff. And that just eats into your profit margin. I was looking at it, and I was going to scale up to that thousands-a-day mark, you have to erode your profit margin down to the point where, I mean, literally, Don LaPree had almost a quarter of a billion dollars a day. Wow. Yeah, was that, were you, were you talking about uh, a quarter of a million running through, was that through the infomercial sales or through what he was uh, actually doing prior to the infomercial? Well, first of all, that's billion with a B. And second, that was all of, the, all of the ads that he was running, all of the infomercials that he was doing, his coaching programs, his vitamins, all of that stuff. But 98% of that was going straight back out the door in expenses. Right. So he was getting, like, next to none of it. Really? That, yeah. So it just the, – it seems to me like the, 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 the model was kind of – was the model flawed from the beginning? I mean, was that the wrong approach to even take to start – I mean, in hindsight, we get it's a wonderful thing, but it seems yeah, to me like that that whole model was. I mean, yeah, but the whole issue there is when you have something that works on a small scale, sometimes it doesn't scale up. Right. And that's really, I I was kind of in the right position to see that because working in computers and technology, right, I understand how to automate. I understand what can be scaled up and what can't be scaled up. And there's certain stuff that you just you can't scale it up. Right, There's I mean, it's almost like you, 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 a quarter of a million worth of orders. I, I, I mean, the profit margin on that would be like it almost like the more you scale that up, the the, the less money you're yeah. making. Instead yeah. of uh, you always make more money. It's just you get a right, lower profit. I'm talking about. You know, and and that's kind of um, that's kind of the issue there. Is you keep eroding your profit margin, 
And then yeah, I'll give you a the thing that bothered me was Sorry, because, the the because the profit margin was so low, your risk keeps going up, but your your pay doesn't go up accordingly with the risk. Right. So you get to a point where the risk is just much much higher than the amount of money that you're making. And that was kind of that was where Don kind of screwed everything up was he didn't understand how much risk he was taking on to make the money he was making. Yeah, it's like a giant almost paper click offline type thing where yeah. he yeah, except he's paying it in advance. <laughs> and, right. I mean, when he was right, I mean, that's it's 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 an interesting like I said to me that like you did you choose you chose that route because it was profitable and then like I said you you got out of it because you realized that you were going to be stuck at a certain level. Uh, I mean, right? Sounds like it. Okay. Right. It was one of it was one of those things where I was looking at it and I started doing the math and I started going, can I scale this up? Right. And as I was looking down the road and going, what do I need to do ten times this amount of business? To do a hundred times this amount of business? To do a thousand times this amount of business? And as I looked at what I needed, the profit margin kept getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And I kept going, you know, crap! It's at the point where if I have a single ad that doesn't work, I lose fifty thousand dollars. Yeah, that's yeah, that's what that it just the risk uh, reward sucked on that. Well, what did you do after? I mean, okay, so what happened uh, after, at this point? I mean, you decided, okay, this isn't scalable. Where did where did you go next? Well, what I did at that point, that was when I was just starting in the computer industry. That was back in uh, ninety one, ninety two. Okay, so so it was so, at least uh, a little foundation. I mean, at least you got right. you got in the game. Okay. Right, and that's the point where I said, yeah, I, I'm just going to go the standard route and just work on my career. Right. And I did that for like five, six years, about seven years, actually. And right. I was working primarily, well, when you're in the D.C. area, if you're in the D.C. area and you can get a security clearance, they make you get a security clearance, and then you're a defense contractor as long right. as you can hold your security clearance. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's that simple. It's just like there are not enough people to work on these contracts. There's a huge, huge amount of money out there being spent. A lot of people don't understand this. We budget, uh, we budget stuff for uh, for projects. It's like a lot of people were upset about Halliburton going in and doing the reparations in Iraq. Right. The contract to rebuild Iraq was so huge, nobody else could do it. Right. Halliburton was the only company that had the infrastructure and the people that. But kind of, uh, kind of convenient, almost, isn't it? Though, when you look at it. Um... Uh, it, uh, you may be right, but it's all. But then it's kind of ironic that uh, that Mr. Cheney has uh, ties to Halliburton or whatever his was. Well, of course, of course I mean, I just thought that it, it, I can see where people took that as a conflict of interest. It was just kind of. I mean, the you whole conflict of interest. But you have to understand just how inbred the entire society in Washington is. Yeah. I mean. Oh, they are. They're, they're actually, in a literal sense, there's, uh, if you, I mean, uh, they're they're basically relatives of each other. I mean, they're it's it's not. Yeah. It's, it's like it's like, you know, it's not that far from West Virginia when you think. Yeah, about it. exactly. Yeah, no, it's it's true. It's literally, you know, in the defense contracting industry, you will literally have a job interview. You will be working on a contract. You'll be on your last day on a contract. And at the end of the day, they'll tell you, okay, so tomorrow when you come in at 8 o'clock, you have an interview with the representative from Lockheed Martin, who's going to be in room 312, 
Right. And uh, you're going to be working on this project, and this is going to be your salary, and here are all of the documents for you to look at. And the interview is a formality, and it's like you go into work one day, and you're working at BDM, and then when you leave work that same day, now you work for Lockheed. Right. And it's all arranged, and it's all just very – they're passing – if you're one of the good people, if you actually do a good job and know what you're doing, then you're going to be passed around like a $2 whore. Right, you know, right. They, they hit you off from one company to the next, to the next, to the next. And it's all very organized. It's all very orchestrated. And it's all designed so that they can extract as much money as possible from the government. Yeah. Because, it, like, we've got, uh, we've got billions of dollars set aside for the homeless every year. Mm-hmm. Can't even spend half of it. Yeah, there yeah. Aren't, there aren't enough programs. Yeah. You know, you've got all of these people that are clamoring. They're like, we have a program for the homeless, and we need some of that money. And they go, show us your program works. And they go, oh. Right. Yeah, that's that's, so, that's really true. That's true. Yeah. You can't demonstrate that your program works. If you can't demonstrate that you're making a difference, if you don't fill out the paperwork, if you don't make the applications, you can't have that money. That's right. And we don't have people that are doing the back work and that are working on that sort of thing. So there's, there is huge money out there in government contracting that literally, there's, it's, it's like you're surrounded by a sea of cash that you're not allowed to pick up right. unless you jump through the right hoops. Yep. And there are entire companies that are designed to do absolutely nothing but jump through hoops. Just go through the, pol- pol- the political part of it and the, and the bureaucracy right. end of it would be, like I said, that, that's what caused, most people, they're, they're not even, once they look at the stack of paperwork, you're not, it's like the grants and stuff, you know, the right. The, the get a, get government money and uh, you know um, who is uh, the guy Towton? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lesko, Lesko is uh, yeah, Lesko was a he's a fucking nut, man. But he he was again there was a classic character. I mean, he sold a shitload of uh, um, a shitload of product back then, and those were those things were like phone books. They were, and here's the thing. A lot of people don't understand this. Um, I knew it was public domain pretty much that he was swiping from. Mostly, yes, but hidden in between the individual chapters was a complete course on how to build your own information products from freely available information that other people will pay you money for. That's interesting. He taught you course of his book. If you bought his Free Money to Change Your Life book, Right. Keep uh, in that course as you went through it, and there's a there's an audio course that goes along with it. Hmm. And the audio course is not him reading off all of the places that you can go to get money. It's him talking about, look, here is how you talk in a way to get people excited. Here's how you present an offer in a way that people actually want to pay you for it. And now I'm going to demonstrate that. Yeah, well, he did. And I it, mean, he was always. I mean, I always. He came off like he was a, a, a old man on on methamphetamine, boy. I mean, he was just. I mean, he was. An, I mean, like I said, it, it, he, he, he actually grasped what I had gotten from Matthew Lesko and Don Lapre. Yeah, yeah. Because it's it's one of those things where when the student is ready, the teacher appears. Oh, absolutely. And, and it's that enthusiasm. It, I mean, you got to have it, and it's got to just. And they just drive home the message. They just pound the offer and pound the offer because you know the. It wasn't, it wasn't until I started reading Frank Kern's stuff right. that I really started grasping how that fit together, and then looking back and going, Don LaPree did that. Right. And Matthew Lico did that. Sure. And looking at how all that worked. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, you know, I mean, I actually, I'll tell you, it wasn't a bad product. It was a ridiculous headline, but it talked pretty much about um, that as well, and it was uh, Jeff Paul's, um, that, that 
the 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 book that led to the upsell wasn't bad actually, and talked about okay. this, you know it was how to make four thousand in your underwear whatever that famous ad he was oh, a Dan he was a, yeah, yeah. He's a Dan Ken, Dan Kennedy student and he was in the finance industry but that particular book actually wasn't bad and it was it was kind of the lead in to the upsell which was four ninety seven or whatever it was but it talked about specific niches and it talked about you know, you don't go in the fishing niche. You go in the rainbow trout. I mean, specific, and it talked about. Right. Uh, it was it was pretty interesting, actually. It See, was I'm good information. Which is funny. Yeah. I, I'm doing kind of the opposite of that because everybody's niching down and niching down and niching down. And here's the thing: everybody talks about, you know, you want to be the big fish in the small pond. Well, well it, it, to, not to interrupt, yeah, to interrupt you, before you say it, I think David Bullock said it last week um, to me on the phone. He said he just heard something really profound from uh, Warren Buffett, and he says, Warren Buffett says, I don't look for needles in haystacks. I look for haystacks. Right. And he thought that was exactly. really profound. He said, oh, I got to, he said, it screwed his head up, but he, it was pretty fascinating, and we, him and I were talking about that before we went on the air. But tell me about that. You're, so you're kind of looking for haystacks. Well, what I'm really looking for is I'm looking for more of a general theory of haystacks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> if you go back to the kind of thing like they're, uh, like they're doing in physics, they're looking for the grand unified theory of everything. Right. And what I started working on, I, literally when I decided that Microsoft wasn't getting me where I wanted to go back in May of 2008, which is uh, going on five years now, I started, I started working on, I had been looking for a long time at the question of personal development. Right. And what makes somebody successful at this thing or successful at that thing. And I had kind of broken it down into five steps. And I had developed this little program around that, and I've been spending the past five years trying to kind of put that together in a way that it's a practical use and it's not theory. Right. Because nobody wants to buy the grand unified theory of everything. Right. Yeah, it, it's like they always say, nobody ever wants a half-inch drill bit. Right. They want a half-inch hole. Yeah. And if, if you don't have a half-inch hole to sell, then it doesn't matter how awesome your drill bit is. You can tell you about your drill bit all fucking day. Nobody cares. Right, right. And that's kind of what I've been doing, and I'm really kind of excited about this because I started off, I applied the, uh, the pilot system, which okay. is uh, perception, initiative, leadership, opportunity, and tribalism. I applied that to fitness and to getting myself in shape because I used, I used to be this weeny little skinny guy. Right. And you never saw that weeny little skinny guy. You always saw the guy with right. the 300 back inch. You yeah. Know? yeah. So I used that system to build my health, and I was using that system to build my business. And I have recently come up with, I mean, you know the big three, health, wealth, and relationships. Sure. Yeah, or the seven so deadly sins. I have uh, I have recently come up with a, uh, a system of how you can use the uh, the pilot system as as a dating system. Oh, that's you awesome! Yeah, you always have. You, you've got like uh, for those who don't know, you've got like uh, where do you get those? Because you've got like the largest online goth porn collection ever assembled for for people <laughs> out there on Facebook. I mean, it is really good. Um, you know, I, it is really hot stuff. I, I like that look, actually. I like chicks that look like that. But go on, tell me about the uh, that sidetrack. I want to keep us on time. Do you, um, if you can make if you can make this thing work in that in that market, then it's a winner already. That's really cool. Tell me. Yeah. If the, 
The health thing is cool because, I, because that's one of the hardest personal things people have to overcome is their health. So if you can make it work of that, yeah. you know, it's going to it's probably it's pretty, viable. It's easy to make all of this work. I mean, I can kind of go over all of the different setting, all of the different steps of it in a nutshell. Mm-hmm. Perceptions. First of all, you got to know what's wrong. You got to look at what's going on. You have to understand what it is in your life that is wrong and that needs to be fixed. Then you have initiative. You've got to do something about it. If you don't do anything about it, you're just going to sit there. Right. It's just like there's the old question, two frogs are sitting on a lily pad. One of them decides it's time to leave. How many frogs are left on the lily pad? <laughs> Both of them. Yeah. Because deciding <laughs> to leave is not leaving. Right. That's right. You decide all day long and nothing happens. Exactly. You know, so you've got to take initiative. And the, and the third step of that, the reason that leadership's in there is, is there's kind of a weird idea with this. Leadership is not about having people following you, and it's not about doing something that nobody else has done. Leadership is doing what needs to be done regardless of whether anybody else is doing it. Wow, that's pretty, that's pretty cool. That, that makes sense. Go the direction that is going to work, whether you're following somebody, whether people are following you, whether you've got company on the path or not. It is irrelevant how popular it is, or how much noise people are making about it. The only thing that matters is whether it is going to work. That's right. And yep. then when you come down to opportunity, opportunity is all about as you're forging your way down that path, you have to see the ways to improve, and you've got to take them. You've got to be willing to change. Right. If you just if you put yourself in a direction and you just go straight in that direction and never deviate at all, well, you're going to end up somewhere, but it may not be where you want. Sometimes what you want changes. Sure. Sometimes the way to get changes. You've got changing conditions all around you. I mean, they say the same man can't stand in the same river twice because he's no longer the same man, and it's no longer the same river. Right, right. No, that, 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 that's a really good foundation right there. I mean, if people did, you know, you've got to have the target or you can't hit the bullseye and you can't. Um, and, exactly. and like I said, and you know. Be your yeah. target and understand that's what you're trying to hit. Exactly. Exactly. No, that that's very that that's really cool. Now, what are you are you going to put? Uh, how is this product? Are you going to put this out in a? Uh, what is this going to be? I mean, what well, format I, and what are you going to do with it? I'm starting out with a book that I'm calling the Badass Manifesto. Cool. Love the title. <laughs> because the uh, the entire point of this is, I was looking at it and I was just going, you know, the pilot system that's that's weak. You know, it, it sounds really kind of dumb. It doesn't sound like something you want to do. Nobody wants to be a pilot, really. No. When you look around, everybody wants to be the opposite of a pilot. They want to be sitting in first class with a stewardess waiting on them. Yes, exactly. Nobody actually wants to be the pilot. Nobody wants to be in charge of the plane. No. But everybody wants to be a badass, so I broke it down to a different series of steps that are kind of the same thing. You've got belief, which is kind of sitting all the way up at the beginning, They've got awareness. Well, that's the same as perception. Right. The action is the same as initiative and leadership, you know? And you move forward, you've got belief, awareness, direction. Um, oh, crap, what is that? Action. Action is the fourth one. Right. And then you, have the, uh, then you have the system where you actually put everything together and understand the steps that you're taking. And finally, you have the story. Because what this is keen toward is people doing the sort of thing that Brendan Burchard is doing, kind of entering the expert industry. Yeah, yeah, he does. He, his, his presentations are very good. They're actually very good. Right. 
And in order to really be a badass, you have to be able to teach people what you do and how they can be a badass, too. Right. Yeah, he runs the Experts Academy. That's yeah. actually pretty good stuff. He incorporates the video and the. He, he, it's really, uh, it's really uh, well done. I, I've got all of his books, and yeah. uh, I actually, I have three copies of the Millionaire Messenger. I'm not kidding. Wow. I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I noticed. I noticed whenever I notice on Amazon, he's always there. Whenever one of his things come out, he's uh, he's all over Amazon with it. So. Oh, yeah, he is. Yeah. I, I, really funny, he has been promoting for like a month and a half. He's been promoting the same post, thanking people for the number of likes on his page. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. And I'm here and I'm going, for a month and a half he's been promoting this. He's paying to tell people he's got X number of likes. That's actually a really good marketing tactic. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, it is. Yeah. It feels like it's new. The first time you see it, you go, oh, my God, he's got that many likes. I better go like him. Then you realize that that he's actually running the same exact. (laughs) Ah, that's funny. Likes that he's thanking everybody for giving him. But it's kind of like in your own Facebook post, (laughs) except on a math degree. (laughs) That's very cool. It's funny. It it is. It's very cool. Yeah, no. the uh, the interesting thing about uh, the interesting thing about how Brandon Burchard's put everything together is he, he really had no qualifications to do any of this. Right. And yeah. His story uh, is interesting. Yeah. His story is basically he just went, you know what? I'm going to be an expert at shit, and suddenly he was an expert. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What's well, all about positioning? I mean, you can use whatever you guys. I mean, the the like I think David mentioned that as well. The point of entry now is. Is I mean unlimited. I mean, there's so many different mediums. Uh, you've got really no excuse. I mean, there's you got uh, there's unlimited amount of social media sites and everything else going, and um, you know it's it really is positioning. I mean, you just gotta you've got to know you've got to know how to position yourself in the market so you're a little bit different and you've got a different slant on things. And I don't exactly. think you're gonna have an issue with that. So <laughs> I don't think that'll be your problem. <laughs> it's like I go around in my clown paint, and people just go, "Dude, what's the deal with that?" Yeah. There is no deal with that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, that's awesome. If that's what I do. Well, how are you going to put? A, how are um, are you going to have a website for this? Or are you going to put this out on the on? How are you going to get this? How are you going to disseminate the manifesto? Initially, I'm going to have a very, very small circle of very close friends. Right. It. And the the first group of friends is going to be the friends that are going to absolutely tell me new one about everything that's wrong. Right. It's like uh, I'm going to get a copy of this application off, and I'm going to get a copy of the commentary on, and get one out to you. The people that are really going to be vicious with it, and if something's wrong, they're going to go, "Dude, what the fuck?" Right. Well, that's and, a good way to do it. You get it. You get it out there and get some feedback. Right. And, and once I get it out there and I get some feedback on what is and isn't working, then I'm going to do a re-edit. And then that's going to go out to a slightly larger circle of friends. That's going to go out to kind of the happy path friends. Oh, you can send that out to the warrior crowd or whatever. Well, it's still going to be a tight circle of friends. Oh, is it? Okay. Be, All right. It's be that group of friends that uh, if you send them something, they're going to get it and send you a great review without ever reading it. 
Exactly. Oh, absolutely. I, I can't. Man, I do that for so many people. I do that for so many people, man. I hope their shit's good. I have to be careful about that. Sorry. Oh, is your mic still working? Yeah. I, I think okay, there you go. That's it's funny. A, it's one of those things where you start out with the people that are really going to tear you a new one so you can make it good. And then you send it out to the people that are going to say it's good no matter what. Exactly. And then you use people saying it's good to send it out to a slightly wider audience. And there's going to be a website for it. I'm kind of doing this in three stages. Yeah. There's yeah. A, there's the Ed S Manifesto, which is going to be like it's going to be a printed book. And what goes out to the initial couple of circles of people is going to be an ebook. But I'm not going to sell an ebook. Exactly. It's going to be a printed book. I'm I'm going to do the same thing that Brad Goss did with Chronic Marketer. Yeah, which is Brad's, Brad's stuff I like. He, he's, I've actually heard him on webinars. Actually, the webinar he did on Flickr, even if you didn't buy the product, was awesome. I actually implemented that before YouTube ganked my oh, cigarette smoking uh, videos. I had, God, I had, I was over a million views and was crushing it. Using Flickr, man. Flickr will create some massive traffic if you've got hot chicks in the picture. I mean, it, Jesus. If you just talk to Brad Goss for five minutes, you'll walk away from that conversation with just. Oh yeah, no, he's the and, and I used to be, in, you know, I was involved in the adult industry on a different. I wasn't in the internet side of it, but he was actually on the internet yep. side of it, and he uh, and those are some of the smartest dudes in internet marketing because continuity and everything they borrowed from uh, that, you know, the adult industry. It's pretty cool. Um, I'm trying to think of anything else before that lady gives a beep. Um, man, I appreciate this. We were all over the board. I just hope people were able to hear it, so we'll check it out on the archive. But, man, I appreciate that. That was cool. You, uh, we talked about Don LaPree. We talked about goth porn. talked about the mime. I, I pushed over in the park. Um, we talked about uh, reptilians and the Illuminati and Dick Cheney. Shit, we covered everything. And we talked about the badass manifesto. Oh, yeah. That's like a balanced ticket for one of these shows. Yeah, there's a there's going to be like some low cost products associated with it, but I'm really driving toward a high ticket coaching thing at the back end. Yeah, I think coaching. I think that's kind of where you're suited. I think that'll be. I think it'll be awesome. I want a copy of it when it come out. Rubber stamp. You're definitely on. You're already on the short list. I'm on the short list. Cool. Yeah, yeah. And then Sean Anderson. I might have to call him up after the show. Because he just yeah, took a he took a knitting iron a knitting needle rather and just poked it in my <laughs> eyeball. Yeah, I'll I'll jump on him. I, I'll I'll tell him he needs to do your show. <laughs> he, he he I I got the goods on him too because he got a he got a special video, and uh, at any time that could be out on all the file sharing sites. So hey, bro, I appreciate it. Um, thank you for coming on, man. This I actually had a lot of fun. It's hotter than a bitch here in Florida right now. I got to get some AC on in here. Um, Caliban Darklock, everybody. That was very cool. Badass manifesto. I will keep on it, and uh, I hope everybody was able to hear tonight on the mic job. We'll find out here on the archive. Anyway, guys, it was a lot of fun today. Happy St. Patrick's Day, and uh, as always, may you live to see the dawn. May all your dreams come true. May you always stay forever young. And as always, stay legendary, peeps. Thank you. Good night. Peace. Bye.